Thorpe. I am Brad Franklin, publisherofcapscorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is no longer Christmas. Uh, I'm back. Uh, the world, at some level, is moving forward. Uh, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. Um, we are gonna. We we we'd originally planned to take this week off, but there were there was just too much going on to not want to talk a little bit about it. Um, one of our crew members is not going to be on the show because he is at Disney World with his family. Um, so it's just me and uh, staff writer Justin Ferber. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Glad to be back. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Uh, hope who Dave's is surviving the <laughs> between Christmas and New Year's surge of children. I bet. Um, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Yeah, Dave te- texted uh, Ferber and I, I. I feel like he mentioned this to me a while back, but he meant he texted Ferber and I on Christmas morning and was like something, something, something. I forget how the beginning of the text read, but it was basically... He was like, I'm about to tell my kids they're going to Disney World or something. But he said, they're going to Disney World today. And I thought he meant, I'm going to tell them today that they're going to Disney World. Right, and so exactly. later, Like when in I, March or something. Right, exactly. And so and so when I checked Facebook later, and it was like, oh, pictures in an airport. Holy holy shnikes. And there, and, and so like then I was like, whoa, I didn't know you meant today. Um, and so then he sent me, he's been, he sent pictures of like the Star Wars stuff, which is, you know, obviously I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so... Uh, anyway, I hope, I hope the, the, the Spence family's having a great time uh, down in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, Ferber and I will hold it down on the podcast. Obviously, some big news for UVA football yesterday uh, when Quinn Blandy made it official that he will return to Charlottesville for his senior season. A decision that i got to say I'm a little surprised by, not necessarily because I think it's the wrong decision. I do think it's the right decision. Um, but because you know, for a long, long time, the, the general consensus among most folks I talked to was that he was you know, was was looking to to get to the to the to the pros. Um, I imagine that the information he got back from the NFL's advisory folks uh, may have shed some light on him. I mean, look, we're probably not going to get to talk to Quinn about that until spring ball, honestly. Um, but I, I was I, obviously, you know, as a, as somebody who knows Quinn well, have, have covered Quinn for a number of years, and really happy that he that he decided to come back because that means I get to continue to cover him uh, and and I also you know maybe watch him make a run for um Jamie Sharper's uh school record uh tackle numbers but in terms of just his uh what he means to the team I think it's a it's a pretty substantial thing as I, as I wrote about today Ferber, what were your thoughts when you when you saw that news and 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 did you think that did, did your maybe let, let's take two two parts one talk to me about uh, what do you think of the decision, and, and then two about what it means, in your opinion, t- for UVA and the defense next season? Sure. Uh, honestly, I'm not surprised that the, you know, if he got information back, that it kind of led him to come back because I believe that the advisory board gives either, uh, you know, if you're a first or second round pick grade, they'll say you should go pro, and if you're not, they say go back to school, basically. Um, I mean, I think he would have probably been like a fourth round pick or something like that, just because he doesn't, I don't think from a measurable standpoint, he's going to blow anybody off the charts. Obviously, um, he's played in a few different defenses and I think that's kind of, uh, put him in a tough spot, but obviously he still played really well at times. Um, and is really good against the run. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's really good for the defense to have him back. Just another piece that's going to be 
another reliable one in this defense as you try to transition to a year where they're going to hopefully get some more pieces back that they didn't have last year. Um, and then him and uh, Micah, obviously, two top tacklers in the conference. So anytime you can bring those two guys back, as well as two guys that are, um, you know, have good football IQs and, and are good leaders, I think that that's an important thing as well. So anytime you can bring those two guys back, I think you're doing yourself a, a real service. Yeah, I think it's probably it's probably in our best interest because I think we do probably have a lot of people on the board, uh, a lot of people on our site who are fans of both college football as well as the NFL. But it, it probably is worth making a note of, or at least discussing for real quick, is that 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 there are things that don't translate as well, maybe between the leagues, or excuse me, between the levels. Um, so, for example, if you have a running quarterback who is not necessarily a as well a, a gifted passer, let's say, they're going to probably struggle to make that transition. Safety is a position that's valued much more at the college level than it is at the pro level. I remember standing on a sideline with Mike Farrell uh, when Quinn was still at Bayside and him telling me that Quinn was probably the, one of the best safeties he'd ever seen, but the problem that he would always face is that the NFL just doesn't value the position that way. And so he would he, he could be a top 10 player nationally in his class, but when it came to draft status, he wouldn't be that high up, mainly because the, the, the pros just don't put a premium on that position. Um, so I, I don't want people to think that because he um, – uh, because he maybe doesn't get the 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 nod from the advisory folks to to go pro, that that also means that he's not a good pro prospect. I think, or that he has deficiencies. Now, let's be honest; he does have some things he needs to work on and some things he needs to put out there. Um, but he also, I think, too, is it's that's just the nature of the of the league right now. Um, that's just not a position that that people are gonna are gonna the teams are gonna waste a lot of picks on. Um, and even in Quinn's situation, I mean, you talk about a guy who is productive as productive gets. He's probably still going to have to try to find the right spot to, to land in. Um, and so I think it's in his best interest, you know, to, to come back. I understand, too, you know, it, somewhat of the – we got into the, a little bit of this discussion on the board about, you know, people with – kids with pro – like big-time pro potential and that skipping ball games to, to keep themselves healthy. I'm never going to dog a kid for – going to the pros and chasing his dream for in some situations you don't know what their financial situation is sometimes the family just desperately needs it even if that kid ends up not making the 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 league per se and he ends up on a practice roster um or practice squad sorry um i, I think that's important for for a lot of kids and so i'm never going to begrudge anyone whether they stay or go i, I in quinn's case had he gone i, I think I could have probably rationalized it in my mind, but I also think that given what clearly he heard back from the advisory folks, he, he made the right decision. Having said that, you made a point about pairing him with Micah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to research this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that you that Virginia has never returned for the third time two guys who finished one and two in tackles in the league two years in a row. And I was trying to think of what possibly it could be, like what what tandem could possibly have done that, um, and I can't really come up with one. I'm sure somebody on the who's listening to this is like just came up with some random, you know, or some perfect, you know, two guys, and I'm going to be wrong. But to me, just the the idea of being able to add Quinn, 
as I wrote about today, like being able to add Quinn back to a group that was already going to have seven starters returning, and that's not even counting guys who maybe started games but weren't necessarily starters, like Landon Word, for example, somebody that we know is going to be essentially the heir apparent to um, Zach Bradshaw at the other middle linebacker position. Um, and I think it also it's important that they give them three playmakers at each level. So you get Andrew Brown on the line, you got Micah in the middle, and you got Quinn in the back end. I would like to st- I still would like to see him get some time at strong safety. I know in talking to Bronco when we had that sit down with him before Christmas, he said you know Quinn sees himself as a free safety and that's the position they're going to um, play him. Um, I'm still kind of holding out hope that maybe they they move Juan Thornhill back to free safety and, and move Quinn to strong because I think that he would fit so much better there um, in a variety of ways. Uh, but I still think that this means really good things for this defense, um, especially considering the the accolades that went out from the ACC. Uh, I guess what is it? Was it the was it Sports Illustrated Sporting News named the the freshman All ACC team and um, Jordan Mack, Bryce Hall, uh, Eli Hamback, um, Joe Reed all got um, some level of recognition for that. Uh, overall, though, I mean, it's a defense that's going to return a lot of talent, going to add some really important pieces in Cook and Tim Harris. Um, and it, I, I think the biggest thing that Quinn's, aside from just the uh, what I think is a great leadership in him and, and the fact that kids really look up to him and follow him, uh, and he does it the right way, um, all those kinds of things, I think the fact that they don't have to rush a kid into a situation where they play like they don't have to say to Joey Blunt, hey, go out there and play as a freshman. Um, or, you know, maybe they don't have to put a lot of pressure on, you know, Chris Sharp or Chris Moore to automatically be uh, great that, you know, they can lean on Quinn and have that guy kind of learn up a little bit. So I think in terms of what this could mean for the succession plan at that position is huge. But also, too, it's clear to me that the 17 defense has a chance to be pretty good. Um, if some of those guys continue to develop, um, wasn't I, I guess I was a little surprised at the timing. I, I guess I figured we'd probably not hear much until after the first of the year. I know the the the, the time frame's a little tight, but um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything to that really. Maybe he's just ready to get it over with. Well, I know when we talked to Bronco, he said that they that the 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 stuff from the advisory board was was expected any day. So I, maybe maybe in hindsight, I should have expected it to be right around Christmas time. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously huge news for the Cavaliers and especially for Bronco himself to know that he's going to have that much experience back on a defense that has to improve in a substantial number of ways, uh, most notably of which is giving up big plays. Bronco mentioned that uh, during the – I forget what, how he that specifically described big plays, but that basically they had enough for like 25 games worth compared to what they normally would have in a right. season. And that, that still kind of blows my mind. So, I mean, clearly this defense has to improve, but it also ha- brings back a lot of experience, a lot of guys who are going to have spent a long time um, this year, at least in that scheme and in that system. Um, so I think that bodes well uh, for for them going forward. Um, anything else to add on the, on the, uh, on the, the Blanding news? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a good sign for um, from a culture standpoint, I guess too. Um, Quinn's not the type of guy that I would think would be afraid of you know competition or anything like that. But I think it's good to see when guys have potential NFL futures in front of them and the opportunities there, and they're at least interested in hearing back what the NFL might have to say. 
um, that they're kind of committed to this new staff and think that there's um, some promise on the horizon for the for the program and enough to make them want to come back. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually definitely worth talking about. If you think about it, both Kaiser and Blanding have given Bronco and his staff a seal of approval, so to speak. You know, I, I understand that when um, <laughs> when uh, when professional general managers give um, you know give their coaches you know the the that 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 typically means yeah, vote of fired. confidence. Right? Yeah, that vote of confidence comes. You're done. But in this situation, the fact that they decided, hey, you know what, I still want to be there. I think that coming off of a two and ten season, I, I don't know if you could get more of a yeah a ringing it endorsement. Been easy. So I mean, it's easy for anybody to walk away from that. Right, that's true. Um, so yeah, I just it's interesting to me that that that, that they both decided to come back. I I, I guess it, it's also one of those things too where the NFL allows players now to get information back in a way that is is I think is helpful to the player, um, but also helpful in terms of time frames and stuff with the with the various schools because it gives them a very good snapshot really early as to whether or not they should or stay or go. Schools can go ahead and, and start making you know making plans um, uh, you know as they as they need to move forward. So I think it's it's great for you know it's great for uh, for UVA that that they're both coming back, but it's also great for Bronco um, and certainly um, his defense that they're coming back and the timing of it all to know you know before they even come back from uh, from the dead period that they don't have to push for any new you know if they were worried about numbers or anything like that, which I don't I guess they were. Uh, they weren't. Uh, real quick, I want to note this because I don't know how many people know this. Okay, so Quinn is already all-time career tackle leaders. He's passed uh, Poindexter and Wally Rayner. Um, he's now and, and Stuart Anderson. He's ninth. All right. So Randy Neal has three sixty-seven. Uh, Jamie Sharper has the record at four thirty-five. Quinn's at three fifty-eight. He's never had a season where he he didn't have a hundred tackles. Um, so even if he, if he goes, if he goes completely average into what he's put up so far, he'll, he'll crush it. Um, did not expect, uh, Byron Thweet to be top five tackler. Did not expect Steve Greer to be top 10 tackler. Um, that, I don't know. Both of those kind of jumped out at me when I was doing my research for this. Um, Anyway, good little uh, Byron, Byron kind of got after it a little bit. <laughs> he, he did. He yeah. uh, he had a. Steve uh, Bruce, I, would have, I would not have guessed. In two in the in in the 2000 season, he had 125 tackles, which which is currently tied for eighth best uh, in school history. Um, to put that in context, actually, it's not. It's tied for ninth because now, well, actually, it's tenth because uh, Quinn and Kaiser would have would have passed them. Uh, Blanding already tied for tenth with his 123. In 2014, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Actually, looking at those numbers, how much of those uh, have been uh, updated? Because Kaiser's not anywhere up there, and he should be. Um, Kaiser probably won't get uh, close to the these numbers because he didn't play much in his uh, redshirt freshman season, I guess. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on to to hoops, which which. <laughs> I mean, man, talk about a good matchup uh, to start ACC play or a challenging matchup. So Louisville goes out, beats Kentucky, and then for their efforts, get get Virginia at home. 
Um, Ferber's already written up our preview, which uh, at this point uh, many of you may have even read. So feel free to to um, to stomp all over that if you want to, Ferber. When you when you first started thinking about this game before, because I mean I, I mean we all talked about you know stuff preseason. I guess I did. I, I'll say this: I didn't expect uh, Louisville to be as good offensively as maybe they've shown themselves to be so far. Uh, are you surprised at how well Patino's group is playing or has played? And how do you feel like that impacts this matchup tomorrow? Or I guess at this point, for those folks listening, uh, the matchup tonight out in Louisville. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't think I'm surprised that they're playing well. Uh, their balance is pretty impressive, though. I mean, they don't have a score that averages 12 points a game or more. So, um, obviously, they're getting it from a bunch of different sources on different nights. Um, and I think that's the kind of recipe that you can have for a team that can make a run just because if one guy is an off night, you can feed on other guys to, to be successful. And I think that's kind of the recipe that they've taken so far. Um, I was really impressed with how they played on the defensive end. Uh, obviously, number one nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, UVA is number two. The fact that they haven't really allowed uh, – I mean, they've allowed 70 points three times. All three of those were in wins. Um, and, it, I mean, that's kind of crazy considering the pace that they play at. I think they play like a top 60 pace nationally. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty impressive in itself. I knew that they'd be one of the contenders for the ACC this year, but I didn't expect them to be quite as sound on both ends of the floor as they've been. And I mean, they played a tough schedule. Their only loss was to an undefeated Baylor team. So I think UVA is going to have their hands full. Yeah, I would agree with that. The thing that jumped out me uh, about Louisville so far this season has been, I mean, Dang and Dell has, has impressed me. Um, but beyond that, it's been kind of the, the, the play of Snyder and Mitchell. Um, I expected – you know Johnson and Matthewang and Spalding to be pretty good. Um, not still never sure what what you you should expect from Mahmoud, but but Snyder and Mitchell have got to play you know at a significantly high level for them to be good, and they have for a variety of time. You look at the national numbers. You were just talking about a second ago. Virginia second in adjusted uh, defensive efficiency. Louisville first. The one thing that struck me was. Louisville right now is tenth nationally off in offensive rebounding percentage. Um, so this is going to be a game for Virginia where c- protecting the glass and get you know and getting them into keeping the the amount of second chance points opportunities um, few and far between that's that that might be the difference I mean because if there's anything that we've learned about these two teams um, you know over the the, the quote unquote rivalry that they've had uh, it's that they 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 play really good games um, I, I, what was it was the one last year. The one where at, at Louisville, where Virginia beat the brakes off of them, I can't remember. Yeah, was that last that was, year? It was coming off the Wake Forest. Oh, that's right, game. coming off the, the 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 Thompson heave. That's right. And then that was the game where it was like, all right, if UVA has really come, you know, overcome their road issues, this will be the day. And they did. And they went out and killed them. And then and they like, beat them really bad oh. at home too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, last year they won. Virginia did at Louisville, sixty three forty seven, and then. Um, in the in the regular season finale, won sixty eight forty six at home. Uh, Louisville seventh at that point, apparently. Uh, yeah, they were. I mean, they were pretty good at that point, and and UVA just stomped them because. And that was a game where a lot of people thought Louisville would come out and win or play really well because, um, you know, it was their last game of the season. So 
no, you know, obviously no postseason for them last year. Right. But, uh, I mean, they just got overwhelmed. And I think one of the things that sticks with me from those two games is how, how frustrated they got. Um, I mean, UVA took them totally out of the game, especially in the game in Charlottesville. But um, I remember, if I remember correctly about the first matchup in Louisville, they went there and they got up big early and they just kind of rode that through to the finish, but played really well, especially on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do think folks need to keep in mind, and, and again, I don't want to stomp all over the preview, but by this point folks have had a chance to, to see it. The, the, t- the change in like, you always expect Louisville to be long. You expect them to be athletic. You maybe don't expect them to be, uh, to shoot as well at times as they have this year. Um, now they're still not they're not blowing it up. I mean their three point percentage offense is not ver is not the craziest in the bunch, but they're not terrible. Um, now they they want to play at a faster pace and they're going to try to speed Virginia up. The, my question is if in some ways if that's not a bad thing if that's not, excuse me if that's not a good thing for UVA if they decide to go with the four guard lineup because I think one of the things that we've kind of seen as this season has worn season has worn on has been that Virginia has to be aggressive man and and they can't just lay back and let everything kind of just unfold and I'm wondering if not necessarily saying they should try to push tempo uh for the for the for the for the sake of pushing tempo but that like they need to be opportunistic and if they can go uh and get a bucket uh and give and even if it gives that Louisville a you know possession uh, an ex, quote-unquote extra possession so to speak because they haven't run you know, 28 seconds off the shot clock. I'm not exactly saying that. I think that's a bad thing, um, especially because one of the things Tony mentioned on the teleconference Monday is that he has to have a chance to kind of see guys, see who basically has the hot hand before he can kind of determine who goes and who, who sits, right? Well, the problem with playing at the pace Virginia does is that you don't get a whole lot of opportunities, right? Like, you might have a shot or two, to show whether or not you're 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 game that night, whether you got you got your good stuff, and man, that's a tough that's a tough uh, mountain to kind of slip off of if you think about it. So in in this matchup, I I, I want to see Virginia get up, not necessarily get up and down a lot, but I want to see them be opportunistic. So if that means um, spreading things out a little bit more uh, and and going to the rim to get to the foul line, so be it. If that means taking some early shots in the shot clock because they're good looks. And they're you know being shot by players who who have that kind of range, and so be it. Um, but Louisville to me have to, haven't watched some of that K- Kentucky game. Um, it's it's weird how matchups work, um, and so Virginia seems to match up well with Louisville. But uh, this is not this is not the physical type of grown men type of Virginia team that we've become accustomed to seeing. And this, if there's a game on the schedule other than West Virginia, maybe that is going to show that it's going to be this one. Um, even more so obviously than the one that that they'll play in in jpj in february but to me this is the this is the difference um between virginia now and virginia in in the last few years virginia last few years had justin and malcolm and just swole dudes right this is not that team darius uh the the young kids marielle they're 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 more slight they don't have the same physicality they don't bring that to the table so they have to match the energy, and I think that's going to be crucial uh, in this game, probably more so um, than any others. What do, what do you feel like is the key uh, to the matchup, at least from UVA's point of view? I think the biggest thing is going to be just how the guards match up with Louisville's guards on both ends. Um, 
if they let Mitchell and Snyder get going, I mean, it's going to be tough. Uh, they can't allow too many easy looks or penetration um, from either guard. And then on the offensive end, I guess we'll see, you know, what the rotation ends up looking like. But they're going to have to score in the backcourt. Um, Louisville is really good around the rim. And, and and that puts them in a situation. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. He, as long as he's not cursing, we're all good. For those all of right. you listening at home, the, the Ferber has roommates. It's all good. Get yeah, you, they may or going. may not. They may or may not be gambling. <laughs> keep, um, keep, keep going. Anyway, um, so I think I mean if we see a lot of guy, I think he's going to have to play well on the offensive end, um, which I think is possible, uh, considering the fact that he's going to be playing kind of close to home, I guess, in Louisville. Um, so he might be a little bit up for this one. Um, overall, I think that's what's going to come down to. Louisville's really good at protecting the paint, so I think that the guards are going to have to step up and play well. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, too, there's been so much conversation about Virginia's lack of an interior scorer. Um, in the in the, in the the past couple games with, with Louisville, I felt like that was a place where Virginia kind of overwhelmed them a little bit. Um, I'm I'm thinking that this is not going to be like that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't expect Jack Salt to play horribly per se, but I don't think he's going to have, um, you know, a banner day uh, or anything. If you think back to last year's game, um, it, what I, I think Gill had 26. Am I reading that right? Gill had, uh, no, he didn't. He had 13. So he and Malcolm both 26, 13 percentage of, of points anyway uh they 13 on six of nine shooting uh on twos um that that to me is a if virginia could get 10 to 13 points every night uh from somebody in the post you're talking about a completely different animal so the the key to me is going to be getting paint touches getting to the rim like i said being opportunistic you know getting maybe you're not going to press or anything crazy to create turnovers but when you do get turnovers being uh, opportunistic, getting down the floor when you need to, going to the rim, getting to the foul line especially. Um, th- I think that's something um, that Louisville does a pretty good job of keeping uh, teams off the free throw line. Um, but I also think Virginia has to figure out ways to get easy points, um, especially in a game like this where they're going to make you earn, other than maybe West Virginia, more than any team that you faced, um, bar none. Uh, and so – it's going to be a tough matchup. I, I, I'm like you. I mean, one question that we all have about Virginia right now is who is is the question on Kyle Guy? Like where where his minutes will will end up? And I kind of feel like he's going to continue to get kind of what he's been what he got um, against Cal. Um, as long as defensively and, and even in, at some aspects on the offensive end, he's that the physical that the lack of size and strength is not detrimental. And that's something Tony just has to kind of feel out because if as, as guys showed in Berkeley, I mean, if you give him some looks, he'll take the shot. He doesn't care. Um, and he's got, he's got the probably one of the quickest triggers since Curtis Staples, you can think of. Um, so, I mean, he, I think he, I, I really believe that as good as, as, as much as Virginia needs Leonard Prontis and De- Devin Hall and especially Darius Thompson in this game, man, they really need Kyle Guy. And, and I think he's going to continue to become, uh, or I guess I should say he's poised to become an even bigger portion of the pie game by game by game. Um, and then I'm interested to see how teams try to, try to slow him down. Cal tried to basically body him, which means put a dude on him no matter where he goes. 
and he still was able to get loose. Um, so I, he, I think to me, as I look at this matchup, he's a real big key uh, in terms of w- what I expect f- from from UVA and kind of what I think UVA kind of needs. Um, after Virginia plays Louisville to start things off, the, the Cavaliers are going to come back home Saturday for a game against Florida State. A Florida State team, by the way, that is ranked, which I did not realize until today. Um, I guess I just have, have not really been paying a whole lot of attention to them Currently, they only have one loss on the year. I mean, they're 12-1. and one. That loss coming by three on a neutral Florida Temple. Um, I, I can't say that they've beaten a whole lot of good teams. Florida win probably their best. Um, well, probably by a bunch their best. Um, it's an interesting group. I, I know you haven't you know scouted them or, or put together a preview on them or anything, but when you can combine uh, uh, XRM with Bacon and Isaac – Jonathan Isaac, by the way, for folks who haven't been paying a whole lot of attention, that dude, you're, he, he's pretty good. Um, he, he's pretty good. Now, he has, uh, he has a lot of potential, certainly. Um, has not played in a lot of, you know, in a lot of big situations or anything. He did not play in three games middle uh, part of uh, December. So he's still kind of coming back a little bit. Um He's been scoring in double figures pretty much every game since he got back from injury, so I think that's going to be uh, going to be something. To, excuse me, he he has not been scoring in double figures since he got back from those three games, so that'll be something to, to keep an eye on Saturday. I'm never sure what to expect from Florida State, the modern Florida. When I say modern, I mean like the the recent Florida State, because I always think of Florida State and I think big dudes who play really good defense, and they. I mean, they're, right now they're top 50 in adjusted defense efficiency, but they're not quite the Florida State maybe that, that we've used, been used to under Bunny. Give me some general thoughts on, on FSU and, and kind of what this matchup could look like for UVA um, several, several days from now. Yeah, obviously Florida State has a ton of talent. Um, it's not the most experienced talent in the world, but um, that's a team that can compete in the ACC, at, at least compete. Um, like you said, they don't have – I mean, if Florida wins their best win, and that's a good win. Um, and the Temple loss – I mean, they lost by three. It was a neutral floor. Temple also beat West Virginia in that same tournament. So, I mean, not that's not anything too bad. Um, the only thing that kind of throws me is they haven't really played a road game. Um, they that was – yeah. Jo- yeah. They, they played George Washington in D.C., but not on campus. And George Washington's eight and five, so yeah. they're not really anything to write home about. Yeah, they um, just got so. Got I mean, fired. talk about getting thrown into the fire, though. I mean, your first road game's JBJ, um, <laughs> so that's the one thing I think could be a big factor in that game. Is I think it'll be a really tough place to play for them, um, and it'll be interesting to see if their guys can kind of get up for that. Uh, at the same time, they have a lot of talent, and a lot of length. So I think that's something that um, will definitely come into play. I, Isaac's, you know, six ten, and Bacon's a long six seven. Um, you know, Xavier Tan Mays is still there. Um, I, can't, I still can't believe he's actually still there. Yeah, like Michael why, Ojo was why, also still there. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a large human being, which is insane. But uh, uh, but at least, uh, but the, we lost uh, Bojo, which is so sad. Bojo yeah. and Ojo. Ho- hopefully, he's making money somewhere. I bet you, yeah, I bet you he's over For it. sure. He's playing in, like, you know, Serbia or something. Yep. The thing about um, this game, too, that shocks me or it makes me wonder is you, 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 were, you were on it, the, the track about the, the location. 
But like none of that. But then like they 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 open ACC play with Wake Forest, who I'm 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 really not sure what to make of Wake Forest either, man. Like Wake is one of those teams. What they got three losses on the year: Villanova, Northwestern, Xavier, right? So you know, not not their you know best win. What uh, is not over what college of Charleston maybe. So I mean, obviously not burning the doors. Yeah, off, I mean they beat they... LSU by like fifty. <laughs> LSU, where pro prospects go to be forgotten. Um, but like between the Crawford kid uh, and the and that Collins kid, uh, along with the the obviously the the Greek Deke. Um, I mean, I'm you know I just I don't know, man. I'm 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 interested to see how they develop as the year goes on. They have um, a really good offense. Um, yeah, nineteenth in adjusted offensive efficiency, which is really good. Top um, thirty. We just don't know anything about them. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it right? Exactly. And like, how many teams? I was looking at this the other day. Like, I feel like I know a lot about a lot of teams on Virginia's schedule. Like, I feel like I know who Louisville is, even though I don't know if if Mitchell and Snyder are really the shooters that maybe folks want them to be. You know, I think I know who. Like, uh, who, I think I feel like I know who Boston College and Georgia Tech are. Uh, um, we know who Notre Dame is. We know who Virginia Tech is. Syracuse continues to be a dumpster fire, um, yeah, likes of which I'm not really there. understanding. Um, you clearly, you, you, there's so much weirdness going on with Duke right now with the whole Grayson Allen thing, and then um, all those you know blue chip recruits getting hurt and whatnots. Um, I feel like I know who Carolina is. I, I always know who NC State is. Um, you know, team that you're <laughs> all you know about NC by. State is that no one knows anything. <laughs> yeah, is that craziness follows them wherever they go. So I just I don't know. It's going to be an interesting league schedule, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what Virginia can do with it. Uh, I, I still I, I know a lot of people when when Austin Nichols got sus- uh, got kicked off the team, they kind of started worrying like, up oh, well, you know, we're not going to be as good. But I mean. You know the, the the proof is in the pudding. I mean, maybe they maybe they take some lumps, uh, and they probably will. But I, you know what? I, I'm not going to count these these kids out until um, we get to the end of the season, and 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 they're you know languishing in the middle of the ACC or something. I kind of feel like talent wise, maybe they're not. I mean, they're a little bit early to the to the release point, so to speak. I mean, obviously, Perantis is being a senior, and it and it sucks to have a, a, a kind of a remodeling year when you when you're. When when a guy who's, who has been there and, and won as much as he has is in his final season, but think about this this team next year, adding Jay Huff, adding DeAndre Hunter, adding Marco Anthony. Um, it's it, there's a lot of potential there, and so I'm not I'm not one of these like look to next year kind of type of people, but I am one of those people who say who, who like I, I I try to keep things in a realistic point of view, and there's no way to view this season, especially in light of the Nichols uh, dismissal. Than to say like this is this is gravy like this is not a year where you expect to to burn, blow the doors off but it is a year you want to see continued improvement because that that group that comes together next year could be crazy special especially uh, with with Guy and Jerome making contributions uh, this season when you know depending on who you talk to you know a lot of people didn't expect them uh, to be to doing that so. Should be a good one, obviously, tomorrow night, or in the in the case of you listening to this tonight against Louisville, and then we'll know a lot more at the end of the weekend after these two games, um, good, bad, or somewhere in the middle. Um, we'll still know a lot more, and, and obviously we'll be around to, to cover it for you. Uh, Ferber, anything else to go for the good of the order? Not really. I uh, hope everybody has a good new year um, and enjoy the rest of the holidays. Cool. Well, that, 
that's a that's a good way to put it. I uh, want to thank uh, everybody out there for their continued support of the show. Um, this will be the last podcast, obviously, that we will do in calendar uh, 2016. Um, so I do want to say thank you to everybody who has supported the show over the last 12 months and, and, and since its inception a couple years back. Um, we started doing this mainly as kind of a fun thing. Uh, somebody on, on Twitter said to me the other day, like we were really cranking these things out and I thought, you know what, we, it's a, it, we enjoy it, but it's also something I think folks enjoy too. So I really appreciate the support from folks on the site and certainly want to thank, uh, Dave and, and Ferber for always giving me, um, their time and, um, yeah, busy lives and there's a lot going on. So for them to, to continually choose to spend an hour or so with me Wednesday or Tuesday nights, uh, really appreciate, um, them doing that as well so anyway thanks everybody out there for giving us a listen all of 2016 and, and especially this the final show of the year for uh, justin ferber i'm brad franklin publisher of calvescorn.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon